Hello and welcome back to the Adamsons Versus. We hope you enjoyed our last podcast, the Adamsons Versus the Second Amendment. This time, we're talking about the Adamsons Versus the Combat Dolphins. Uh, welcome to my co-host, also called James Adamson. Hello everyone. Uh, just before we start, we'd like to give a quick shout out to our other podcast that we do. It's called Double Real Film Podcast. You can find it on all social medias and all um, podcasting platforms. It's for all you film geeks out there who have a love of cinema like we do. Um, but yeah, let's crack on with the uh, the pod. So why don't you introduce the, the topic and why we chose it for this episode? Yeah, thank you. So the, the combat dolphins are only one uh, animal with an unusual job or role that we have. Um, this is, we just thought it would make a catchy title, but we're generally talking about animals who have sort of remarkable jobs, jobs that may put them in a, in unusual situations, jobs that humans heavily rely on them for, talking about um, whether it's fair to put animals in that position, but also just talking about stories that we found interesting and funny and, and, and remarkable around animals with those with those lives. So should we start with the combat dolphins and use that as the way into the rest of it? Uh, yeah, um, I think it's it's nice that we've chosen this topic just as a wee just as we kind of preface to it that because the one we spoke the topic we had last yeah. month was a bit a bit dark so we thought why don't we come up with something that you know was a bit more cheery because everyone likes animals and it's always funny seeing an animal on the back shift so, yeah and it's um, and it's quite sort of uh on brand with our sort of quirky look at things like the taliban in in you know pedal boats or you know the cocaine bear we do do that from time to time so um yeah right so do you want to start with the combat dolphins because this was the the species of the animal that you found? Yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. Um, dolphins are obviously um, a very intelligent creatures, and for reasons best known to themselves, they seem keen to cooperate with us, even though they're probably intelligent enough to know what a bunch of cunts we are. Um, hmm. And the, I think they've been used in a number of sort of military settings, but there is a. There was a story that we found where as part of the Navy Marine Mammal Program, the U.S. military has trained a number of bottlenose dolphins in various combat and military roles. Um, The Space and Naval Warfare Systems Command in San Diego has trained 85 dolphins so far at a cost of $14 million a year. They were even used to guard an ammunition pier during the Vietnam War, detecting and deterring enemy soldiers who might try to swim to the location. Um. They are able to carry out surveillance and clear mines in enemy waters. Um, obviously, the How idea. How the fuck do they do that? I, I mean, presumably the, they do the usual thing. Or said, "Here's loads of fish. If you do what we want, here's what we want you to do." Um, so they must sort of take them through training, where they go, "Right, you see something that looks and smells a bit like this. I want you to go, you know." Maybe they kind of drag them out with like a string or something like that or swim into the area. It seems quite dangerous to kind of take a, a, a dolphin into water and make it um, make it clear minds because obviously if that goes wrong, there's going to be no more dolphin. Um, so I don't know how I feel about this, but it is quite interesting that essentially they've got dolphins operating as uh, as, as operatives for the military, a kind of, uh, a kind of uh, <laughs> sea mammal special forces for the US Navy. The thing is that... That sounds really far fetched, but you wouldn't put anything past the the Americans with that kind of thing. They they've started their own space force. Um, combat dolphins is probably the least surprising thing um, that they could have tried to we- like weaponize. The only thing um, that doesn't surprise me about this is that there's never been a band at Glastonbury, at Glastonbury called Combat Dolphins. 
That would really change Apocalypse now, wouldn't it? <laughs> Getting a dolphin to say, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. <laughs> Charlie, don't surf. And frankly, neither do I, because I don't have feet. Um, so why so why do you think they 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 use bottlenose dolphins? Because what it just seems like a colossal waste of money. Because let, let's let's be real, they've only trained eighty five dolphins, and it was to kind of that that cannot have been cost effective at all. You, you, I, you'd be surprised if eighty five dolphins can like change the course of a war. Do you know what I mean? It's not like exactly. they would have so much strategic significance. I mean, I. Part of this might be that because America spends so much, gives so much money to the military that they, that they, they probably sit around going, what the fuck are we going to do with all this money? We can't give it back. They've already given us more planes than we can physically put in the hangars. You know, one more ship and we will actually be able to build a bridge across the ocean. What should we do with all the money they've given us? I know, let's train dolphins. I don't know, maybe they smoked a little bit of weed and, and, and it came up with an idea. I don't know. Um... I, I, the Americans do love like a special military project. They've got more special forces uh, sort of groups than you can shake a stick out. It's unclear what all of them do. So it's just, I think they just have this habit of going, yeah, let's do this, let's do that. And, you know, the like you say, I, 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 I struggle to see the genuine strategic benefit of doing it. But um, who knows? Um, maybe it was really helpful that... Um, Maybe the Viet Cong were all having a, a big swim towards the ammunition pier, and the dolphins warded them off. I don't know. Maybe that maybe that didn't you know it didn't change the course of the Vietnam War because the Americans still lost. But I don't know. Maybe it made a difference. I don't know. Yeah, that, I feel kind of bad for the dolphins. Did any dolphins die? I, I don't have information like that, but I'd be I'd be amazed if it was casualty free because you know it's the military. The military has casualties, and I don't know. The the dolphins seem to be quite sociable towards humans they want to come and deal with us and spend time with us in in various different ways i i I don't know i mean what what can we give them that they can't get for themselves do you know what i mean that they for some reason they have a uh that they can be persuaded to cooperate with humans Um, i think they're quite a lot like dogs where they know that humans have better tools and equipment to get the food to them so they can just be lazy. Um, but then that wouldn't make sense for them working, you know? Like, why would they work as hard as they do in sweeping mines and, you know, reconnaissance and all the stuff they were trained to do if it was for the fish that we'd already got them? Like, you know, like Labradors, they don't... Like, when they get to a certain age, they stop giving a fuck, they stop doing treat their tricks because they know regardless of what happens, they're going to get fed. So I feel like there needs there's something... They must, about dolphins. They must have some sort of instinctive kind of desire to operate in, um, you know, in, in groups, and they somehow see us as being like them or with them. That there's probably some, you know, considering if you ever watch a nature documentary, it's actually quite fucking hard work keeping yourself fed. So maybe it's actually worth it to get like a reliable food source from humans mm. in return for cooperating with us. But maybe, you, mu- yeah. you must think at some point they're, they're going like fucking hell. We are doing a lot of work here. You know, this does not seem safe, which which this might be a good time to, to bring it in. I have sort of semi firsthand experience of this because when I was a kid, I was introduced to a dog and I thought it was a German shepherd, but it turns out it was a Belgian shepherd. And this dog had been a, a, in the military. It had been used for um, landmine clearance. 
and it was a nice dog. It was quite calm. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't it wasn't a very excitable dog, you know, like, like these very well-trained dogs are. They don't sort of run up to you and jump up. It was a very kind of sort of almost reserved dog, but it was nice. It, you know, gave you a pat, let, let you give it a pat on the head. It was nice. It hung around with us. And I thought, oh, let me find a tennis ball and I'll throw a ball for this dog. So I got the tennis ball and I threw it. And this dog gave me a look at me like, fuck you, man, and just walked <laughs> away. It would not do anything with the tennis ball. I'm like, what, what's all this about? So I spoke to my dad, your granddad, and he said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What it is, these, uh, these, these land, uh, landmine clearance dogs, they go out, they clear the landmine, and then their reward for clearing a landmine is to get to play with the ball. And uh, the problem is, to be, in, to be an intelligent enough dog to be able to clear a landmine, you're an intelligent enough dog to realize eventually that what you're doing is super dangerous, and eventually they just refuse to cooperate anymore and they retire. <laughs> so these dogs basically are, you've been making me do what? Fuck you. Fuck your ball. Fuck your dog treats. Fuck your squeaky toy. I'll be over here looking at my bollocks. Thank you very much. <laughs> and they just will not cooperate a second longer. And it's almost like, oh, yeah, I'll help. I'll help. What are we doing today? Do you want me to clear that? Do you want me to sniff that out? That's That smells nasty. I'll sniff it out for you. And then after they go, Jesus Christ, that's explosive. Why the fuck did you make me do that? So there's this whole, this different relationship with a dog, with a dog, the dog kind of, the dog sort of agrees to do it because they love cooperating with humans. And when they realize what it is, they're like, nope, fuck you, won't do it. <laughs> I don't have any information on whether dolphins eventually kind of mutiny and refuse to help the US military anymore. You know, they start to understand the um, the ethical concerns of who they're helping and what they've just done in the Middle East or something like that. But eventually, maybe dolphins have had enough as well. I don't know. I don't know. I think this this might be utter shite. I don't know if this is propaganda from the from maybe the Soviets saying, look at what the Americans are wasting their money on. Because <laughs> how do you train a dolphin to like sweep mines? What do they do? Like... Nah, that sounds like utter shite. Yeah, look, we'll find out. I mean, the thing is, you know, I found, no found it on on, on online list, and might it might be debunked. It to be honest, right? It could be. It doesn't. It would. I wouldn't put it past the Americans to try and do it, and they might be exaggerating how successful it's been because it might be that the dolphins just go, okay, they're giving us some fish. Let's swim around and try and, and try and help, and not really give a fuck. Um, and they have to, you know, they want their budget for next year, so they report that it's all gone really well. Do you know what I mean? Right. I stand corrected. These things exist. <laughs> <laughs> you just found something, yeah? So it's not the way I was thinking where they were just, you know, the way I'm thinking like the, the this underwater mines like in Finding Nemo mm-hmm. that are on like those big, they wouldn't like, they wouldn't go and like chew the, the rope or the, the train, loosen the chain mail that holds them. You know what I mean? The chain link, sorry. Basically, they attach a little pinger to the fin and the dolphin just swims about. So basically, they probably just go to an area, get the dolphin to swim for a mile and come back, and it's got a pinger that lets them know if there's any uh, underwater mines. So it's, <laughs> it's not that impressive. Like, it is and it isn't. Um, apparently, the Soviets did it as well. Um, yeah, the Soviets have a, an interesting history with... Uh, should we talk about the famous uh, the famous incident of animal of animals being used by the yeah, Soviets? Yeah, it's one of my favourite stories. This is a great one. I mean, this is... It's it's obviously found its right way well into sort of popular culture because you found out about this completely independently of me, didn't you? You found it out yourself. And it's one that I read in a book years and years ago. What it is is that during World War Two, when we briefly found ourselves on the same side as the Russians um, out of, frankly, sheer necessity, and we had to put up with their complete lack of morals and ethics, um, they decided to use animals as part of their war effort. And what they decided to do, and this is so on brand for the Russians, is that they uh, 
trained dogs to go underneath tanks and then would strap a, like a sticky bomb to uh to the uh to the back of the dog so that when it went under the tank the bomb would stick to the underside of the uh of the tank and detonate blowing up the tank but also blowing up the dog which is frankly pretty disgusting i know there's a war on and wars are pretty devastating in so many ways but it feels like that was a pretty callous way to treat dogs that were faithfully doing this um the 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 story has kind of a good ending in a kind of twisted kind of way because when they decided to actually unveil this weapon against the Germans, along came the German tanks and they released the dogs to run off and do this. Unfortunately, it was only then they realized that they trained the dogs to um, uh, uh, with Russian tanks and they could tell the difference. So they all ran under the Russian tanks and set the bombs off. <laughs> and uh, quite rightly, deservedly so, the Russians got absolutely fucked and had to, re- had to retreat like 100 miles in a day to get away from these exploding dogs, which were destroying their tank, uh, tank battalions. Um, good boy I do feel very sorry for those dogs but I'm quite and, and obviously we didn't want the Nazis to win that war but I'm quite glad the Russians took a bloody nose for that yeah, there's a lot of twists to that story plan. isn't there yeah. it's, it's, hard, it's hard to know what to feel about it in a lot of ways you don't want the Nazis to win you don't want the dogs to die but you also don't like what the Russians are doing there's a lot to that story yeah yeah you, try, you just try and, take a, <laughs> you try and take a crumb of comfort that the fucking arseholes who did that to the animals were the ones who sort of uh, got um, got on the wrong side of it um, you got any got any sort of animal jobs that uh, that uh, jumped out at you, mate? Um, I just always love seeing guide dogs and sniffer dogs and bomb search dogs. I just I love seeing them. They're just such good boys. Um, I just wanted to give them a little shout out. I don't actually have a specific story. I just think they're the goodest of animals. Yeah, and so- it, it's funny with guide dogs because they're frequently uh, Labradors. And yeah. the interesting thing with Labradors is that, as you and I well know, Labradors seem to have like a... The only way I can describe it is they have like a nutter switch. When that switch is pressed, that dog turns into an absolute fucking maniac, right? Hmm. They're, they're, they're intelligent dogs and they're very well behaved and they're really good with kids and they look after you and they'll, you know, they'll heal everything else. And then at some point they go, yeah, it's time, it's time to fuck shit up. And they start making a big, you know, you know, they'll start tearing things up. They'll knock around. And it was one time I was playing sort of, uh, sort of cricket with a little cricket set with a tennis ball and a little bat that my dad got me. And the dog decided it was going to join in, so it would chase the ball and shoulder charge me to basically knock me flat out and take the tennis ball when I was trying to hit it. And it's just like somehow they get a dog that's capable of that just sheer madness of just doing the most important job and being absolutely. Because you you see you see a guide dog and they're, they're like they clearly take their job very seriously and they're making you know they are an absolute lifeline for a human being literally almost literally they're like that you know the human being's life depending on crossing the road and shit and and somehow they've managed to to suppress that that genetic disposition of Labradors to be fucking mental bastards and get them to do that. Um, they also there was a guy that I worked with. He he said that he he'd known someone who who on 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 the floor of his office who who was blind, and the guard dog was was amazing. He would he would go to the toilet when it was time to go to the toilet, and at no other time. They would say, right, it's eleven o'clock. We're taking you outside to do your business. And the rest of the time, this dog managed to keep its legs crossed, and it would mm. just sit in a basket next to the guy he was working and let him do whatever he was needing to do and in an office, no distractions. You imagine this is a Labrador and there is fucking biscuits in the kitchen, right? And that Labrador just sticks to his job absolutely uncertainly. And then there was a time during the day when he could play with the ball and they would like roll a tennis ball 
up and down the corridors of the office and the dog would chase it and have fun and then you go right playtime's over back to me doing my incredibly important job it's just amazing that they're able to kind of like because it's not just they do a job it's they actually take that job so fucking seriously you know mm-hmm. um i remember seeing a a if you ever go on canary wharf in in london it's got a lot of security and there's a lot of dogs there that i believe are, are sniffer dogs for bombs um and i saw one time this dog was about to get its five minute break right because normally you just see them walking around and they're checking things and if you've had to drive onto canary wharf your car gets checked from top to bottom uh and and then the 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 handler of this dog took him into this little park area on canary wharf it's not big but it's got a little bit of grass and a little bit of flowers and i just heard the, the the handler say right you've got two minutes and this springer spaniel fucking ran all the way around this park it sniffed every plant it stuck its nose onto every blade of grass in in two minutes it just went right i've got to do everything and it ran around and just had this absolute frenzy of playtime and then went back to the lead and it was it was almost how do you get a dog to kind of go that dog doesn't go right fuck it i'm running for it i saw some sausages back there at that cafe it they they they're so they're so dutiful do you know what i mean yeah they're great we've just obviously got a puppy haven't we so well yeah not, not us but myself and my partner yeah and um, we're four days in and they, they're so intelligent um they they know what they're doing. Um, it blew my mind when I found out that dogs never barked until they start to interact with humans. Mm-hmm. I thought that was awesome. That obviously they are quite capable of communicating with each other in various other ways, right? You know, sense, they read smell. The, like, they read the body language and all, stuff like all that. All of that yeah. stuff. And they obviously tried that with humans. and went, God, these guys aren't getting it. Hang on. They seem to be making some noises with their mouths. Let's try that. And they went, oh, well, that works. So they bark and they get the attention of the humans and they go, oh, right, let's do that from now. Well, I've got quite a good story from a dog. It's not my story, but my mum tells a story. So she went to Dublin with my cousin back in like 2008. Yeah. And they were cutting about Dublin and obviously Dublin's full of tourists. And there was this guy. I don't think he was, I don't think it was his guide dog. I think he was just a blind guy with a dog. And these tourists went up to this blind guy and asked him for directions, which is funny in itself. Um, but he just went, oh, just just take my dog. He'll show you. So this guy sits down. <laughs> Shit, you not. Like, my mum t- says this happened. So the guy sits down on a bench. The dog takes them down the high street to the exact shop, pub or whatever they're going to and runs back up to his owner. The dog knows different shops, knows the entirety of Dublin. It's, it's just How so, good is that? Oh, it's brilliant. But it's also, there's that sort of, that's got a very sort of classically quirky Irishness, doesn't it? It's like, yeah, just take my dog. <laughs> He will show you. Yeah, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. happened in Scotland. The dog would give you a stabbing. Yeah, yeah. So um, the dog would take you down an alleyway and steal your wallet. <laughs> um, it's not just it's not just dogs, of course. I really enjoyed the story from this is going back a few years. This is the 2010 Commonwealth Games, uh, which was held in New Delhi, and um, oh yeah, the uh, the organisers of the Commonwealth Games employed monkeys as security guards at the at, uh, venues for the commonwealth games to keep other animals out of the venues um right. so they were able to there's the the animals are called uh langurs which is a variety of monkey uh uh the kind of like um, kind of is it the kind of gray one with the kind of pink face no you it's can't know? it's sort of um it's sort of a very light colored uh uh not sort of camel color but sort of light almost like gray uh sort of white gray sort of dirty white um fur and a black face okay 
um, and they are um, uh, there's I, I guess I say smart enough, but also it's a case of um, you know self interest and intelligence to go. Oh, I tell you what, right? If we uh, if we do this, we're going to get fed all sorts, and they'll keep all the other monkeys out. Which is probably a case of hey, this is my gig. Fuck you. You know, I'm gonna. I'm you know, I'm in control of this place. But uh, India has an interesting relationship with monkeys. There's a city in India that um, that that uh, venerates a particular breed of monkey or variety of monkey. And when it when that monkey turns up, they uh, all all especially at a certain time of year, all the all the locals say, "Oh, it's one of those monkeys," and it's part. You know, they they're, they're essentially treated as sacred or important, and they feed and look after that monkey. You can actually see there was an Attenborough documentary that showed these Indians kind of putting little garlands over their shoulders, and the monkey just sits there and gets fed. And you see other breeds of monkey hanging around, looking at those monkeys, getting that going. Fucking hell! How do I yeah? Uh, how do I get that gig? And it's like just that monkey, not you. That breed of monkey, not you. Tough shit. And this monkey gets treated like a. So they have an interesting relationship with monkeys in India, which you know, it's just it's just a piece of clever lateral thinking, right? Because a human chasing those monkeys is going to have no chance, right? But another monkey that's bigger and stronger and you know doesn't have to worry about anyone's human rights or simian rights can uh, can <laughs> guard can guard the venue. I think we should start employing gorillas as bouncers because they'd actually be more intelligent than the ones you get on the doors anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, with obviously, the, due, with obviously due respect to your mate who's a bouncer. I mean, I think he'd take it as a compliment <laughs> compared to a silverback. Yeah, um, but he has got the intelligence of a gorilla because he thinks gorillas could batter uh, grizzly bears. But that's mm. just yeah. It's um. I'd Sorry, I'd, I just wanted to, I just wanted to highlight that we like all dogs with animals. The all dogs with animals, all dogs and animals with jobs. Sorry, yeah. um, but you know, animals have had jobs for years, like beach donkeys and truffle pigs, and you know, those like carrier pigeons, things like that. They've always, I mean, let's actually talk about carrier pigeons. But I just wanted to say that we're talking about like the kind of creme de la creme, these jobs that you know you wouldn't expect like an animal to do. Like you would, pigs love going sniffing and digging for truffles and. Donkeys, beach donkeys have been a thing for like what five thousand years. Yeah, but it's the ones that you think, right? How the fuck are they doing that? Like carrier pigeons. I always think pigeons are thick as fuck, and yet we can get them to communicate over trenches. We can get them to fly. Well, they've been doing it for using yeah, birds yeah, yeah. to send, communicate messages for ages. Send this message. You actually want to send this message to a given location, right? Mm-hmm. It's not just just sending out the pigeon and hopefully it's not like a message in a bottle on a desert island, right? Is it? It's a message that you've strapped to the to the pigeon's leg, and it flies off to where you want them to go. And like, okay, you know, it's like sending a raven in uh, Game of Thrones, except you assume in Game of Thrones it's some kind of magic. But with pigeons in our world, that pigeon is actually not only flown off to give a message; it's gone to the right place and then comes back. Does it hang around and wait for another message? Oh, hang on. I, 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 want, I want a reply. I want to send a reply. Wait there. Um, it is, it's interesting what you can get animals to do, isn't it? There's yeah. obviously the ethical question of whether we should, but... Well, there are some animals that you definitely should. You have to keep an animals, certain animals stimulated. Like cats don't give a, like a particular fuck. Yeah. Like it's good to have cat toys and treats, but cats are those animals that you basically just let them go outside and they do their own thing. But dogs love to be, you know, like stimulating different dogs do different things. So obviously we've just got a cocker spaniel, so he loves sniffing fucking everything and they were gun dogs, weren't they? Yeah. Um whereas German shepherds kind of clues in the name shepherds. Walter yeah. Collies love fucking rounding up sheep. Labrador retrievers love um retrieving shit. So 
it's it's good to keep animal stimulated, but I think, you know, when it gets into the ethical question of should we be putting bombs onto dogs and getting them to run under tanks, I think that's where we know where the ethical line has been. Yeah, and, and, it's, <laughs> and it's often a question of how much is this, to, it just suits the animals to be helping in that situation. I mean, because actually one, one of the lists of animal jobs that we found is, and this is kind of, this is this is on a ranker list, right? That I found a list of right interesting animal jobs to add to the ones that we already knew of, and, and you know when they have these lists, it was go we better we need to we need a couple more for the list. There's always a couple of kind of marginal ones, and this is a marginal one. It's cats keeping shops um, pest free, and it's like well, if you keep a cat and feed a cat and it decides it wants to hang around, it will eat all the mice. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what cats do. How much is that cat actually doing that job for you? Do you know what I mean? Or is it just doing what it does, which is y'all eat that mouse? You know? <laughs> it's like it's not like the, it's not like the cat's going, Oh well, to be honest, I would like to go down the road for a pizza, but I owe this man my, you know, my my you know, my job and my livelihood. I I'm gonna I'm gonna eat all the mice on their behalf. It's like the cat wants to eat the mouse. Do you know what I mean? That's the cat's instinct. It just happens to suit the cat and suit the human that that, that that's what happens. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I've lost your sound, mate, if you're talking. Yeah, um, I just want to take this moment to... Um, every, keep this in. Keep this in the podcast. I want to take this moment to say that... Who, who make these shitty microphones again? Blue. Blue Yeti. Blue Yeti. Yeah, your microphones are fucking shit, and I hope you get fucking attacked by the fucking tank dogs. Um, the cable is built like a fucking dying man's handshake, and it's flimsier. Then no, uh, I'm not even going to finish that sentence because I'll probably end up in jail. Um, but yeah, that that's why I was in the middle of a sentence there. I can't remember what I was trying to say. But uh, every so often, the little USB connecting point falls out and it just stops, and I have to unplug everything. I have to fucking say a prayer and sacrifice a goat to Cthulhu to fucking get my con uh, microphone working again. So I can't remember what I was saying. Um, uh, yeah, it's just one of those ironies, isn't it? They've probably a lot of, put a lot of time, effort and money into making the microphone really, really good and then they give you a shit cable that goes with it. Um, so I think what I just said was it, how much of this is just that it suits the animal to do it and they're doing what comes naturally to them anyway and how much of this is them, you know, the human actually having persuaded the animal to do a job for them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's interesting that animals kind of have instincts to do certain things like i've seen you know a variety of it's mostly dogs that i've kind of related to but i've seen german shepherds and they just patrol the garden they patrol the garden they go through the house they make sure everything's in order um yeah they have so they have they have an instinct they have a pack instinct and they've obviously realized that for what you know for various reasons a human is a good person to be part of the pack of and they they're happy to be subservient to you as the pack leader, and then they kind of go right. I, it's my job to look after the place. Do you know what I mean? They just kind of they just kind of take that role for themselves, don't they? Yeah, it's interesting um, how the kind of you know the genetic makeup of a breed kind of determines what they do um, or a species in general. Um, yeah, you see, with, with dogs, I mean, we have sort of. Um, uh, we have intervened in their evolution, haven't we, with dogs? But a lot of other animals, they are kind of doing what comes naturally. Do you know what I mean? They've kind of adapted to us more actively. With with, with dogs, we've kind of got, oh, this dog's quite big. Um, this dog's quite, you know, whatever. And they've kind of, we've bred th those attributes because it suits us. Um, whereas other animals are, you know, monkeys haven't been bred by humans for, for, that, for that role. Do you know what I mean? They just naturally have those instincts and, you know, humans have harnessed them yeah 
Although there's an interesting comment about, uh, or an interesting reality about about monkeys that that I absolutely loved is that monkeys uh, insist on equal pay. Huh? Uh, they did an experiment because you know just to see how intelligent this is. And bear in mind that humans are not very good at this. Humans are very good at being talked out of like equality and talked out of their own best interests because you know we'll talk about politics in a little while, but. Humans can be kind of fooled or conned into going, oh, well, actually, this is these are shit conditions, but for, for whatever reason, culture wars or whatever kind of bullshit we're being fed by the media and the politicians will go along with it. Uh, monkeys aren't so easy to fool. They had a, um, they did an experiment where they took two groups of monkeys, and you can do this along just one group of monkeys versus another. You can do this versus male and female. You can do this however you like. And what they did was they they got the monkeys to perform a task and then paid inverted commas them in food and treats and rewards um for what they did and what they did was they said right here's here's what you're being paid and then what they found was if you pay another group more you give them more treats in return for doing the job the uh not only do the monkeys that were being underpaid refuse to cooperate the monkeys that are being overpaid refuse to cooperate as well they all just fucking down tools and go on strike <laughs> until they're all being paid the same are you sure this is an indicative thing of the entire species, where the monkey's just French? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome! Yeah, these are these are French monkeys. They did burn a sheep uh, outside the laboratory, so maybe they were French. Ali, ali, ali. This is this is why it's a, this is why it's a terrible idea to have like things like chimpanzees as pets because a they're very intelligent and very specific about what they like and they don't like, and b they can literally rip your face off. They are fucking. Ter- they're shorter than us, but they're about ten times as powerful. Oh, they are they, worrying animals. They are, I mean, they are not. I mean, they're, they're quite nasty animals. Uh, they really They've should got, not be. Like people think, like gorillas are like nasty big things purely because they're big, but they're actually really gentle. Um, they're actually more intelligent than I was giving them credit for because there was that gorilla that learned sign language and loved Robin Williams. Yeah. Um, but they're actually really gentle. They're really playful. Whereas chimpanzees get quite. They get quite terrible. Like, the, have you heard yeah. the chimpanzee wars? Yeah, yeah. These chimpanzees they're, they're would just cut about the, they would just go about the jungle, just fucking murdering other. They're really, or I mean, they're really quite brutal. I mean, gorillas and orangutans will fuck you up, but only if you genuinely cause them a problem. Yeah, if you fuck about with like one of their kids, or if you don't mess, if you don't mess with them, they won't mess with you. Whereas chimpanzees are. That's why they're the ones that are closest to humans because they will just go and oppress somebody. They will just go, "Up, oh, this is ours now. Fuck you." Do you and, chimpanzees and, and, voted for Brexit. I don't think they're that stupid. Ali, Ali, Ali. <laughs> <laughs> you set them up, I tuck them in. Uh, yeah, so uh, it, it, here's some other like um, interesting ones. This is this is one where um, this is an animal just doing what uh, what what comes naturally, right? Um, you can use ants to stitch up open wounds. Yeah, I've seen that. You basically just cut their heads off. Though. Yeah, it's kind of brutal. Yeah, I don't think the ant is actually volunteering to do this. You trick it into biting, <laughs> in biting you, and then you snap off the rest of the body once it's attached. Uh, the only drawback is that ants aren't sterile, but you know, better than nothing. Um. Uh, but there's there's other quite sort of further ones. Um, you know, penguins can prostitute. Now that is interesting. That's probably the filthiest job. Um. So, I don't know how true this is, but you read a thing on the internet and you hope it's true. I think it's true. The more I say I hope it's true, I think it's not true. But peng- female penguins will let other men's... Other men's? Fucking hell. Other male penguins have their way with them in exchange for good rocks for their nest. 
That's interesting. Um, just imagining like a <laughs> imagining a penguin in like fishnets and a dress. Going, you're looking for business, darling. <laughs> yeah, that really changes the tune of Happy Feet, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But pe- penguins are penguins are funny because they look really cute, but they do have some disturbing habits. I did like seeing the penguins that. Um, they were being watched by one of the David Attenborough programs, and what happens is the you know the cameramen go down there for six months, and they wait they wait around that long to try and get some footage, and eventually the penguins sort of see those guys at the end there sort of um, keeping eyes. Let's go and see them, and they walk up and they sort of interact and try and talk to and everything else. The thing is, they don't interact with the humans; they interact with the gas canisters because they're about the size and shape of a penguin. So they walk up to the kind of cala gas canister, kind of touch them with them. These guys aren't very friendly. They haven't said a bloody thing, even though I've been here for five minutes. Um, which is quite cute and funny, but then they, you know, they're quite they steal each other's kids and stuff like that. It's the, I mean, essentially the the um the animal kingdom is not cute, is it? Even though it looks cute, um, only when they're babies. Yeah. Um, I don't know if this counts as being like employed or having like a job, but along with humans, bears and dolphins are the only animals that practice oral sex. <laughs> Um, it doesn't surprise me about dolphins because they're a bunch of perverts. Bears are kind of perverse as well. Like they're kind of they're big horny animals. So I don't, is that a job? A blowjob? Hey! hey. <laughs> um, do, you, do you have another one? The um, the what was the last one? The kittens? The cats? Uh, yeah, just just quickly, this is another fun one, which is, I guess, kind of animals um, uh, being kind of forced into a, into a role. But um, in Japan and China, I, you can see this. There was a fucking HSBC advert, so people might already he- heard of this. But they they use uh, uh, cormorants to help them catch fish. They tie a snare at the base of the bird's throat, which prevents them from swallowing larger fish. Um, and they are trained to return to the boats after they catch a fish and then spit up the catch and give it to the human instead of just eating the fish. However, they are very smart and they can keep a tally of what they call. They can allegedly count up to seven. If they're not rewarded for their efforts, they simply stop fishing. So they will help the humans catch the fish, but they they need to take a cut of the fish they catch. (laughs) Which I thought was pretty cool. Um... But yeah, so the big one, one that really kind of inspired me into this, I'll talk it through. This is, this something like this definitely happened, but I also think there's an element of urban myth that's, that's built up around this as well. This is the parachuting cats. This is could have been the other title we could have given this podcast, which, which could have been the parachuting cats, but I like the combat dolphins better. Um, but essentially, in the, in the early 1950s, uh, the Dayak people of Borneo, found themselves overrun by rats for a combination of uh, uh, things. Something had happened to their cats. I think their cats had died. And, that, and there was an infestation of rats. Uh, and this was going to cause outbreaks of typhus and plague. The World Health Organization, with the help of the British, who had, in the 50s, they had sort of operations out in that part of the world. Um, they uh, they took part in um, what, what was called Operation Cat Drop. And they put little cats in boxes and parachuted them into Borneo. And the boxes were designed to kind of release the, the, the door open on, on contact with the ground. And there were cats suddenly arrived in, in Borneo uh, and to, to go and eat the rats. The um, 
the story sort of says, oh, they sent 14,000 cats into Borneo, which is bullshit. You wouldn't send that many cats. Apparently, it was only about 85. But you can find some amazing pictures of, of cats in cat boxes strapped to parachutes being dropped out of airplanes and landing on the ground. I feel sorry for the rats who, who encountered one of these cats because they would have been in a shitty mood once they arrived there. I mean, if you've ever been around a cat that's just had enough, right, the next thing that goes near it is going to get absolutely ripped to bits and you know they they would have taken it out on the rats in there there's a the urban myth around it is partly because they say it's about fourteen thousand cats i don't think it was that many and also that it's been used to kind of um start a discussion about kind of you know environmental issues because they reckon that it was well the story goes that the whole thing started with a malaria outbreak the world health organization sprayed ddt a now banned pesticide uh, to kill the mosquitoes the problem was that that ddt killed a bunch of other things it damaged uh the the roofs the thatch roofs of the um of people's houses because it killed a parasitic wasp that had previously controlled thatch eating caterpillars uh also the uh the ddt got into the food chain uh poisoned lots of uh, lizards which were eaten by the cats the local cats died and that's why the rats flourished and the whole thing is like used as a story of, and that's why you shouldn't spray DDT everywhere. I don't, that bit is quite difficult to um, to uh, to source, but the idea of of essentially using cats as paratroopers to kill the rat population—it's almost cruel to the rats because those cats were going to fuck shit up once they got there. But um, it that also raises an ethical concern. You know, those cats were minding their own business, and next thing they know, they're being thrown out of an aeroplane. Listening to Credence Clearwater Revival. <laughs> yeah, this, that's right. Yeah, it's a definite kind of Vietnam vibe. Imagine to some of these things, that's a they? film that needs made. That's right. Yeah, there's lots of great stories of war animals. There's I, I don't want to go into too many because there's a podcast I listen to that's done them all. But there's all sorts of stories of like animals that have like bravely served the military in various ways. Some of them are just mascots. Some of them are, you know, uh, you know, decide to you know help humans and you know bravely defend human life in some way um this is kind of an offshoot of that you know the the various ways that humans use animals is it ethical do you think it's ethical to use animals in this way i think it's quite traumatizing to drop a cat out of a fucking airplane like i think there's a limit to what we need to do but i think there's also a kind of necessity there are certain things that you know we need animals to do you know animal like guide dogs are the best example of that because there are people that need their support not even necessarily for like blind people but you get therapy dogs for like people with like autism and stuff like that who when they have like when they get really stressed and they have kind of like meltdowns dogs are the like the best thing to kind of calm them down like there's nothing better than a dog that just kind of calms the child or the person down yeah um and, and, and they do they do talk about how even cats right you have this general reputation for like not giving a fuck They've kind of adopted humans because there's no way, you know, we haven't we haven't kind of made cats do anything they don't want to do, right? And cats have a human interact have an interaction with humans, including actually, you seem a bit stressed. I'm going to sit here and calm you down. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. There's something about certain animals have sought us out for companionship, haven't they? And I guess there's a certain line within which maybe it's you know that, that we've evolved to the point, you know, both humans and animals, where a degree of um, interaction is just uh, inevitable and necessary yeah i do think there's obviously a line i don't think we need to be putting fucking dolphins underwater and risking getting blown up by an exploding mine um but i do think you know i think sometimes there are jobs that only animals can do you know for example 
dealing with the monkey problem in New Delhi meant that we had to get monkeys to deal with the monkey problem. Yeah, I, 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 I feel like I feel like monkeys, because like we say, monkeys won't do anything unless they get a genuine reward for it. Those monkeys have kind of gone, you know, they've been trained to do it, but they've kind of gone, yeah, you're paying me, I'll, I'll fucking get rid of those other monkeys, do you know what I mean? All right. Um, it feels like that's a, it feels like that's a fair deal. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, as long as the animal is happy, and I know, I think canine dogs and like police units and sniffer dogs are very important, and we need them as well. But there's also a risk there. But I think that's a kind of risk that we have to take. I know that yeah. sounds like it could be quite cruel. Yeah. But I think there's like a line where like we don't need to cross. We don't need to put bombs on dogs. We don't need to put bears and animals in the circus in horrible conditions. What about when they put a dog in space, when they've put chimps in space? Don't see the point. Why? Just, I mean, because it's it's a it's a it's a situation where we've decided that what we needed to do was um, test out what we were doing with a living creature to see if it could survive in the space capsule. And before we sent a human up, uh, we sent up chimps and dogs. And obviously, the, the space race is very important. Maybe not for reasons people realise, because I don't think going to the moon ahead of the Russians and, and using it as an extension of the Cold War was that important. But you know, incredibly important science experiments are done in orbit on the International Space Station. Space exploration and, and NASA have led to MRI machines and huge leaps in technology which are benefiting mankind. But, so it's obviously worth doing the doing the, the thing. The, the question is, is human life so important that we should risk dolphins before we risk people or risk, you know, dogs and chimps before we risk people on a piece of technology? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I do agree. Um, it's 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 an ethical question because on the one hand, I mean, look, look at it this way. Um, obviously, human life is very important. We're humans. We've got to look after each other. It would always, it would be horrendous to say, oh, we're going to put some people in a space capsule, fire into space, and some of them are probably going to die. It's like using humans why? as... No, but no, 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 no. If we want to check if it's okay to go into space, use a paedophile. <laughs> That's an interesting... Uh, Does this substance called anthrax potentially harm someone? Should we test on an animal? No. A paedophile. <laughs> this, these cosmetic products, are they cruel to animals? Probably. Let's test them. Let's get a paedophile's hair conditioned. You know what I mean? If it burns his scalp off, it burns his scalp off. Who cares? You know, Use I mean, a paedophile. There is a concern over that, isn't there? That really what's going to happen is the paedophiles are going to end up having nicer skin and hair than everybody else. Um, I suppose if they're already caught and locked up, that's less of a concern. But um, it just makes them, makes them it makes them easier to spot with their shiny skin for the other people in the prison to kick the fucking shit out of them. Yeah, you see, there's a so there's there's a genuine debate over the value of human life versus the value of uh, of animal life. And I, I something struck me recently when I I say recently, it's probably a few years old now. But there was a zoo somewhere in America. It wasn't one of the big ones. It wasn't like San Diego Zoo or New York, you know, where you know those are kind of major zoos. It's some. It's like a zoo in Cincinnati or one of these other smaller cities where, you know, fucking, I don't know, somewhere in Kentucky or whatever, where they don't seem to have quite the same standards generally. And the animals keep escaping. And two lions escaped. In fact, in fact, this isn't even the lions escaping. This is a human who jumped into the enclosure with the lions. And for whatever reason, the enclosure wasn't secure enough to keep a human out. And the lions go, oh, great, live food. Do you know what I mean? Don't blame them. And they start going after this guy and they shoot both lions. And 
just to compare the scale of this, that person was probably mentally ill, and it's a shame. And they, you know, you, you you don't want them to be to be to, to to be harmed or anything. But as a percentage of the population, killing those two lions, right? As a percentage of global lion uh, lion population in captivity and out around the world, that was the equivalent of killing a hundred thousand human beings. Hmm. Is there not an answer to say, you guys are going to need to come up with some kind of non-lethal way, you know, to sort of fire a, a I don't know, a, a bolo or, or sort of a, a heavy stick or something at, at those at those lions and make them run to the other end of the enclosure. But killing an endangered species to save one of seven billion people who are shitting all over the planet doesn't feel like the right thing to do. And it's harsh, but you sit there and thinking, well, those those lions didn't ask for any of this, and they're about to get killed. I don't want that human to die, and we should try really hard to rescue them and get them out of the enclosure, and we should probably put more effort into, you know, making the enclosure secure so humans can't climb in. But fucking hell, you've just killed the you know the equivalent of a hundred thousand people out of the population of an animal that is hard pressed and struggling around the world because of human encroachment in their environment. Does that feel like the right thing to do? Um, to to what extent are should animals whole lives and existence you know be secondary to humans you know you really opened up these massive ethical debates aren't you <laughs> uh, <laughs> i know it was just a funny story about monkey bouncers and combat dolphins and now we're uh, yeah. but you know i i, I you know it, it, it does make you think do you know what i mean i think well humans are very shit at what they do i think we are very good at kind of realizing where the line is for animal jobs and i say that jobs because i don't think the killer whales and the dolphins at sea world and anything that's in like a in like an, an i don't want to say enclosure because i i'm quite i have mixed feelings towards zoos but things like sea world i don't i don't count them as jobs they are just cruel they as a species we need to do better with them we need to shut places like that down zoos yeah. i'm a bit I have mixed feelings towards. I think zoos could do better and have bigger enclosures and have more space for these animals. But um, I'm conflicted because you know they're not getting to roam in the wild, but a lot of these species are endangered species. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is the thing. Zoos are often like taking part in conservation efforts and they are increasing people's awareness of animals and that sort of thing. And they have breeding programs. I just wonder, maybe one of these days we'll have virtual reality or something. And what you do is you put on a pair of goggles and it's as if you're walking around the the um the nature reserve and actually all the animals they're not in a concrete enclosure in London Zoo. They're in a, a well protected, well looked after like nature reserve somewhere in the wild in their natural habitat and the desire for humans to kind of go and see animals at the zoo zoo is fulfilled another way do you know what i mean yeah because you know i you know i've i'm I'm very fortunate to have been able to go and into a couple of like big wildlife parks Uh, i went to one in sri lanka where it's a big it's a big nature reserve and you drive through hoping to see something and we got a chance to see a leopard in a uh in a tree and then it jumped down and ran off but you needed binoculars, do you know what I mean? You needed to kind of, well, get your phone yeah. out and use the zoom on the phone to see it. And, you know, the more the more you make the, the habitat suitable for the animal, the animal does what it naturally does and says, well, I'm not going to stand in the fucking open, am I? I'm going to go and sit behind this bush and get some peace and quiet. Like, if you ever go to the wolf enclosure of a zoo, you go, where the fuck is it? Do you know what I mean? Um, but it's it's kind of like, if this is for the animal or if this has got the animal's best interests at heart, it's like maybe we should... Um, maybe we should be investing in like safe habitats for the animals and watch them on TV. 
Yeah. But but, but, the, but the revenue from, you know, they say the revenue from the zoos is, you know, is pumped back into conservation programs. No, like like no, I say, no, I don't, I don't, it's, yeah. you know, it's kind of, I hope that's true. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, th- I think it, the, the problem with zoos is that they are trying to combat a good thing, but also they yeah. need to do it better themselves. So, um, I just... Think, oh, carry on. I, th- I, th- I think like you, I think we've kind of explored the ethics around it. I just wanted to mention a couple of like quite cool and funny jobs for, for animals. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, going to throw them out unless there was anything else you want to explore on the, uh, the, the ethics of, of, of animal relationships with humans. No, crack on. Uh, uh, bees can be used to detect uh, explosives in airports. Right. Uh, they they've discovered that bees have a, a stronger sense of smell as dogs and can be trained to find explosives just as effectively as dogs. Um, I feel like you'd be better off using dogs, but apparently that's something that people try and do. Uh, in South Africa in the late 1800s, a baboon once ran a railway signal station. Basically, what happened was the, the South African signalman had a terrible accident. He fell onto the track in front of an oncoming train and ended up losing both his legs. Oh, and, and, you know, because they didn't have disability pensions back then, he stayed in his job and they trained a baboon to help him with his duties, which involved climbing up, pulling that lever, telling him there was a train coming and something else like that. Uh, the, the baboon was paid 20 cents a day and given half a bottle of beer every week. He was actually officially a full-time employee of the of the company. He literally had a job and was paid for his paid for his efforts. That seems like a good day all around. I mean, apart from the guy who lost his fucking legs, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, f- ferrets can be used as electricians. They um they can ferry cables around aircraft. Boeing Boeing actually used a team of ferrets in the nineteen sixties. They can solve cabling problems because they'll they'll go down tight enclosures with a piece of cable for you. But Holy shit. Um, but they've they've gone off using them because they they lose interest and fall asleep while working. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> there's a a strange little town in Kentucky called Rabbit Hash, which only has 315 res- residents. Um, they they don't have a human mayor; they appoint a mayor to be a dog to be mayor of their town. They've been doing this since the 1990s. They've had a black Labrador, uh, a, a pit bull named Brinith. Paltrow, which I've lost sympathy for them now because they've named a dog after Gwyneth Paltrow. Um, Did it make a candle out of its vagina? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) (laughs) Um, They've used used rats to to detect landmines um, and the the Norwegian army uh, has a penguin as an honorary member of its royal guard and everyone has to salute it it as it marches past. Oh. Oh, I remembered one quickly. Go on. I remember quickly. This is a good one to end on. Have you heard of the Battle Bear? Tell me about the Battle Bear. The Polish Battle Bear. So, Wojciech was a Syrian brown bear bought as a young cub at a railway station in Hamadan, Iran, by Polish Corps soldiers who had been evacuated from the Soviet Union. So... He was actually enlisted as a soldier with the rank of private and was subsequently promoted to corporal because I can't remember the reason for doing it. They promoted him to corporal so they could keep him in the... Um, they promoted him. So they weren't allowed pets, so they, they enlisted so they to, him as a soldier. So they had to so give he, him an official rank. <laughs> I love Polish people, man. They're so funny. Um, and he... 
I think he, he the mum had, his mum had been shot by hunters, but basically they they adopted him, they enlisted him, and he would just copy the soldiers. So he would drink beer, smoke, and he would march alongside them on his hind legs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then he he was at the Battle of Monte Cassino. Wow, brilliant. Um, and he used to like pick up uh, artillery shells and give them to the soldiers to put in the the cannons and that. Yeah, I've just found something on him. He has a statue in the Scottish border town of Duns. Yeah, because he went to Edinburgh Zoo. Yeah, yeah. That's where he went after the war. Um, yeah, he would lift it. Well, because he could lift the 45 kilogram shells, no problem, because bears are fucking massive. Yeah. Um, apparently, there's a, there's a bit of um, controversy about it. Really? British soldiers said that they saw the bear lifting ammo. And other people said that he was, that this is kind of not true. Um, but he was adopted as the official emblem of the 22nd Company. I think that's the Polish. Yeah the Polish army and then he moved um, moved to Scotland and then uh, I think he passed away in Edinburgh um, and he died weighing nearly 500 kilograms and was 1.8 metres tall very good 1.8 metres tall and 500 kilograms he's almost as fat as an American <laughs> alley, alley, alley. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah we've gone after all the easy national targets this uh, this episode haven't we yeah, fuck them. <laughs> so, um, as we as we usually do, we uh, we usually give ourselves a good hearing on the uh, the subject that that uh, piqued our interest into doing an episode, and then we sort of switch over onto current events. Um, and this may well be uh, out of yes, date. The timing um, on this might be off. But uh, it looks like Boris Johnson is going to resign today, the British Prime Minister. For those of you who are listening from other territories and don't realise what an absolute cunt we've got in what charge. What do you mean other territories? We fucking colonised half the fucking world. We're fucking <laughs> terrible. Yeah, but most of them have gained their independence now. Yeah, they want nothing to fucking do with us. We're sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. Yeah, Boris Johnson's apparently on his way out. Um, he won't go down without a fight. He'll do something stupid today. Apparently, he's going to resign. Today, we are recording this on the 7th of July. The past few days have been nothing but chaos for him, where half his cabinet have resigned, and there are members of his cabinet who he appointed to replace those people that resigned are either resigning again or calling for him to go. It's... Um, so in yesterday, in a twenty-four hour period, I mean it's up to fifty now, but in a twenty-four hour period between kind of Tuesday tea time and and, and Wednesday tea time uh, here in the UK, something like forty people from the from government positions uh, resigned. Uh, now about more than half of that were like things like parliamentary private secretaries and, and relatively low level people. They're not actual ministerial posts, but even if you count the ministerial posts, it's like you know nearly thirty. And do you know what the record in British political history of ministers resigning in a 24-hour period prior to that is? Like four? Six. Six. In, in the 1930s during the Great Depression when there was yeah. like some pretty, pretty, you know, extreme circumstances. So, and in the midst of all that, last night he was going, I'm going to fight on. He was going to like turn up and kind of... Uh, you know, uh, unveil a new economic program. And I'll tell you what, when when a country is suffering a cost of living crisis, what you really need is an economic plan that someone's just pulled out of their arse as a reaction to everyone wanting him to fuck off. That's much better than an economic plan that people have been carefully considering as part of an important strategy to fix things. You really want something that someone's hurriedly put together in a bid to save their arse. 
that's really how we should fix the economy in this country because I, I don't see what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> but well, yeah, I, I mean, think we should give Boris Johnson one of the jobs that animals had to have. Oh yes. Well, here we go. He's obviously going to be unemployed soon. So why don't? Well, he, 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 here, here are some here are some nominees. They could um, they could guard an ammunition pier. Uh, like in a harbour, and they would have to swim around stopping enemy... He would have to swim around stopping enemy soldiers swim to the location. Make him the prostitute. <laughs> the penguin <laughs> prostitute. <laughs> I feel sorry, sorry for the penguins. <laughs> He'd probably enjoy it, the fucking creep. Uh, Nadine Dorries would be so jealous. Oh, did you see her last night? After she sat, after he sacked Michael Gove, and she was anything he does, he could literally be murdering her mum, and she'd fucking tweet out her support for him. She is and I just I had to quote her tweet about him. She said something about him. He's doing what's right for the country. Yes, they do this. Do do these things to keep things stable. And I just had to quote saying he's not going to fucking shag you. Like fucking <laughs> shut up, man. She is absolutely terrible. It is anything he does. It's like. <laughs> Oh, honestly, this is the thing. The thing with Boris Johnson is he has essentially turned into our Trump because what he is, he is, some, he is someone who has got shit blonde hair. He's clinically obese. He's not quite as as much of like an outward aggressively asshole than Trump is because he's been actually been very careful to cultivate this kind of ho ho silly sort of buffoonish opinion. Yeah, yeah. But he's but he is actually a massive asshole. He's a cunt, and he. The the thing with him is that there are so many scandals in the middle of all of this stuff about him. You know, it's finally the last straw, supposedly because his um, his judgment in letting a an obvious sex pest like get take a responsible job in the government that gave him a position of power to kind of exploit and assault you know other MPs. That's just the latest in a line of scandals. And while this is going on, and actually these MPs are all abandoning Boris Johnson because they realise he's going to lose in the next election. But in the midst of all this, by the way, in the noise of all the different scandals, Partygate, uh, the you know the fact that he was getting a blowjob from his bit on the side while his wife was uh, while his while his you know while he's cheating on his wife, and then he tried to give his bit on the side a uh, a six figure job as his like chief of staff in the foreign office because that's apparently how you do things in the midst of all that he admitted at a parliamentary committee yesterday that in 2018 he met with a russian oligarch and former kgb agent yeah against advice without permission and without any security or aids with him to go to that meeting this scene, he pre- previously denied this. This is at the same time that he has actually refused to release information about Russian influence over this government and over British elections. He he admitted that he did this yesterday, just in passing while all this shit is going on, while this has been hugely de- um, denied before. This um, this senior politician had, pr- this sort of Russian oligarch, had previously offered to act as a back channel to Putin so that they could have their own private conversations ostensibly to sort of resolve... Um, issues and you know and, and problems but it's a completely secret unauthorized you know back, diplomatic back channel to what is now clearly a rogue state the son of this russian oligarch is evgeny lebedev who is now a peer in the house of lords who the security services said um 
this is dodgy, we think he's a compromised person, he should not be given a peerage. And Boris Johnson blocked their advice and is refusing to publish the actual report from the security service about what the problem is with this guy. And he owns a British newspaper. The thing is, in the time that it's taken me to explain all of this shit, Boris Johnson's probably caused another scandal. He's probably been caught doing some other shit, like fucking getting a Tory donor to build a £150,000 treehouse at the Shagging official residence and all of this stuff. There is, and he actually openly admitted once, before he ever became prime minister, he said that his, his, his approach is to do so many things, make so many gaffes, cause so many problems that you can't focus on any one of them. Because by the time you've kind of got to the bottom of one scandal, there's another one on the way which just takes over the news cycle. He has got so many skeletons in his closet and so many scandals that it's impossible to fucking list them all. <laughs> and you just, it just beggars belief that this, it's like he has literally done one thing and he's managed to get everybody to vote for a political party at an election that then enabled people to make a decision one way or the other on Brexit and the right or wrong you know it's clearly the wrong thing because he used that as camouflage to to enact a hard Brexit which is fucking everyone's life over and the only reason they did that is to uh, to help the wealthy avoid EU regulations on offshore accounts and money laundering but that's literally all he ever did he hasn't he hasn't delivered the Brexit he promised he hasn't done anything with his majority in parliament he's literally did one job which was to rally people to Brexit. And apart from that, he has been an absolute unmitigated disaster. And we are now going to spend two or three years clearing up his mess, not dealing with the cost of living crisis, by the way, not dealing with the problems on our borders with the EU, not dealing with you know the problems with public services and any n- number of other problems that the UK is facing at this moment. We've spent the last fucking two years dealing with his shit. It's fucking unbelievable. And now we're going to spend the next kind of 12 months, however long it is until the next election, however long the Tories limp on for. And it's all about pre-Boris, post-Boris. He is, he has made the entire political system of the United Kingdom about him. What a cunt. <laughs> just wait till they find out that he shagged penguins. Let's get it trending. Let's get everyone listening. Just get it tr- just. Make sure that everyone thinks he's shagging penguins or is about to start shagging penguins. He is. I mean, the only thing I wonder is how long this kind of Boris the Bluffer persona can now stand. Because, you know, conventional wisdom is that he's going to leave now and he's going to go back to being a journalist and a personality and an after-dinner speaker and making money and various things. I mean, but what's left for him? Is he going to have to go down the the Farage route and and become like a shill for increasingly right-wing assholes? Because because the thing is, he's, got, he's, he's got to have burnt his bridges with a few people by now. The thing is, the, he's done as much damage as Trump has done in America. Yeah. But because he's cultivated this bumbling buffoonery yeah. kind of atmosphere where you can just do whatever you want and get away with it, but because you're an idiot, it's, it's fine. Now, Trump got impeached because he was doing things that were damaging. Trump is responsible for what happened at the Capitol in January 2021. The same way that Boris Johnson is responsible for a lot of the deaths uh, that happened during COVID and a lot of the deaths that are going to happen due to the austerity that we now face as a country. What, what, yeah, I mean, he, he shares but a lot of is, characteristics with Trump, doesn't but, he? The, but the uh, thing is, because he's cultivated this kind of idiot, this idiotic yeah. persona, Trump never cultivated that. He was so headstrong that he was the best and he was great and everything. And he got impeached because of that. Well, that's how I, I see it. He he was adamant. He was adamant that he was doing no wrong. Whereas 
you didn't come across, you didn't think that Trump was a pure buffoon. You just thought he was an evil prick. You thought he was a nasty. Yeah, I mean that, that's that, that's definitely it. the thing. Is I think obviously Boris Johnson has kind of you know gone a long way on this kind of you know Boris what a character persona that that Trump hasn't. I mean they do share a basically they've both exploited the fact that the political systems of their country it, expect people to do the honourable thing. And they've realized that actually, if you don't do the honorable thing, if you actually say, no, fuck you, I'm not going to resign. I'm going to change the the ethics code so that if you lie to parliament and are hugely corrupt, you don't have to, um, uh, you don't have to kind of resign. He's basically refused like motions of parliament to release information about wrongdoing and misconduct. He's, and, and, and Trump, I think is the same because, you know, you know, the, he's basically exploited the fact that he's, got the the support of the, the hardcore of the Republican Party support supporters behind him. So all the Republicans voted, although he was impeached, the, the Republican Senate voted not to actually find him guilty of it. And he basically, they're both very good at exploiting the fundamental weakness of two political systems that don't, that don't have any answer when someone is this much of a, of a shyster, you know? Yeah. And I wonder with Trump if he's actually cultivated a slightly different persona. He's almost like um, he's cultivated this kind of hard ass, you know, go fuck yourself persona because he thinks that's going to play with the, um, you know, the kind of uh, sort of hardcore kind of Republican base, you know, the sort of angry racist truck driver sort of like vibe that he gives off. Even even though he's born with a silver spoon in his mouth and he's one of the most privileged people in the world and lives in a fucking tower with his with gold taps, he's somehow managed to cultivate a persona that makes, you know, a certain sort of section of the American public think he's one of them. In the same way that Boris Johnson and Jacob Rees Mogg ponce around and they're old Etonians and they couldn't be more posh and somehow, like a lot of regular people seem to think he represents them, you know? All I'm saying is, is that Trump is very lucky he wasn't spouting his anti-Muslim shit back in 2001 because it wouldn't have been the fucking Twin Towers that came down. It would have been Trump Tower. Yep. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah. And, and I think the difference between Johnson and Trump is that Trump has a stranglehold on the Republican Party even though he's been forced out. And and I, I think it the, the, the Tory party has essentially rejected Boris Johnson now. And Thank they, fuck. The thing is, they had no... They obviously had no morals because everyone knew what Boris Johnson was like before they appointed him um, uh, leader. They just saw that his his personality, his personal approval levels with enough voters would, would actually get them through. And they made a decision that would get them through to the end of 2019. And the fact is that the challenges that faced us in 2020, 2021 and 2022 um, were not um, designed for a, a twat of his stature. Yeah. But that's where we are, and you know, we, we've you know, I've been sort of refreshing the news uh, ticker every uh, every five minutes um, to see what's going on. But I mean, it's just uh, they're just at the moment they're saying he's going to resign, um, and now they're just saying maybe um, maybe he'll be forced out now because if they let him stay till autumn. He'll just really screw everything over in the meantime. He's not going to like manage like a, a sensible transition the way Theresa May did. He's such a loose cannon. It's. Uh, I think this is going to run and run, even though the announcement today is that he's going to resign. And by the time this is edited, released, and people start to listen to it, um, all sorts of other shit could have happened between now and then. Who knows, man? Who knows? We go day by day, we look for cute animals with jobs, and we hope Boris Johnson gets bummed up the arse off a penguin. Yeah, I mean, if, if this has actually sort of killed his kind of, his, like, uh, his grift, the way he, you know, sort of just ponces through life on his personality and he doesn't get to do all his, 
he doesn't get a job at the spectator and he doesn't kind of get to carry on being a big television personality as a result of fucking everybody off it would be funny to watch his long slow decline if that's what happens to him but we'll uh let's not count our chickens because he's, he's our fucking penguins before they hurt <laughs> yeah let's change that analogy so I think that's, I mean, that's no, no other news topic is going to go anywhere near that. But have any kind of news headlines kind of um, caught your eye that might kind of be, be worth a laugh or worth a, worth a, worth a chat? Um, not off the top of my head, no. It's basically the past week has just been the Conservative Party going yeah. into complete meltdown. I've got a great headline for you. I, I think you're going to like this. Let's go. I'm just going to read it. I think it speaks for itself. And I think you don't need to read the rest of the news story. This tells you everything you need to know. Topless breastfeeding mum in boxer shorts tackles bald eagle to save pet goose. Uh, uh, there's so much going on in that sentence. I mean, I, I clicked. I'm lie I, down. I clicked on the uh, link. I clicked on the link to read the article, right? And I found out the woman was from Canada and that she has a number of pet animals, including pet geese. But other than that, everything you need to know is in that headline. Fucking hell. <laughs> Imagine, imagine coming home from work to your missus who's uh, fucking battled a bald eagle today. And you're like, oh, wow, you're all right. So that's not the end of it. I was breastfeeding topless and you're trying to eat the fucking goose. It, you wouldn't believe her. The, 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 I mean, the great thing about this is for it appears to be a fairly attention-seeking topless breastfeeding mum who's done this because I think it was her CCTV or a fucking ring doorbell or whatever it was that actually caught pictures of her doing this. The pet goose is pottering along the bald eagle comes down to try and catch it and uh, she runs out topless with a with a baby attached to her breast and kind of manages to get rid of the bald eagle this only made the news because she released the pictures online to say hey look what i did look yeah look at my tits basically. look at me look at me it's <sighs> it's it's kind of it's modern life in north america encapsulated in one headline really isn't it yeah um I do, I do have some Florida Man headlines you might oh, like to yeah, see. Oh, yeah, let's rattle them off. These are all, uh, uh, since our last episode uh, was recorded, or uh, I think even since our last episode's released, it's all in the last kind of past three weeks. Um, Florida Man says spirits told him to set his boss's house on fire. Huh. <laughs> That's his defense in court. He set his boss's, I think it was his boss's future home. His boss was about to move into a new house. This guy set, you know, oh, sets fire to it, hell. and when they caught him, they say the spirits told him to do it. I think he means, um, you know, supernatural beings as opposed to uh, hard liquor. Famous gross, yeah. Yeah, that's right, but I, that might have had something to do with it. Um, Florida man bitten by alligator after mistaking it for a dog on a long leash. Uh, that's so uh, Florida. I don't know how he did that. <laughs> it's like, how do you mistake a, 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 an alligator for a dog on a long leash? I mean, a big he's, fucking dog. He's got to be off his tits, right? While that's happening, I'm convinced that the air in Florida is just LSD. Something strange going on there. Um, this is compared to some of the other Florida stories. This is actually a little bit kind of banal, but I quite liked it anyway. Florida man arrested for burglary after leaving his phone at the crime scene. No, I mean that's happened. That happens all the time. I mean, it's just um, like in my work, we had a, a shoplifter who. Um, Pedaled away with a bag of shopping, but his phone fell out of his pocket, so my manager grabbed it and <laughs> put it in the office. <laughs> and he phoned it for about four days straight, wanting his phone back. Oh. And then there's another one, my one of my old store managers. Um, I would love it if he'd front, tried to front it out and come back and claim his phone from lost property. 
Well, so my old store manager <laughs> caught a shoplifter stealing a bottle of gin. Stealing a bottle of gin. So he caught him and he said, uh, you have to pay for the gin. You're not getting the gin, but you have to pay for the gin for trying to steal it. He went, oh, I've not got any money. He said, well, give me your phone. And the guy gave him his phone and walked away. Bloody <laughs> hell. Go- and pro- I think he, I don't probably, know if he ever came. Probably nicked it. I don't, yeah, I don't know if he ever came back for the phone with the money, but yeah. That was rather than get reported to the police, I suppose. Pretty much. That's the way they kind of deal with it. If it's under if it's under £10, the police don't come anyway, so. Yeah. Um, um, here's another one that I liked. Florida man arrested while fleeing to Cuba on a jet ski. Uh, this the, the 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 background to this is that he was about to get arrested for like financial fraud. I think he was one of these people who'd like tried to con uh, people yeah. into a pyramid scheme and all that sort of thing. And he decided to try and go to Cuba on a jet ski. I mean, the thing is, that's ninety miles, right, in open ocean. Um, but only a Florida man would attempt that journey. I think he's probably lucky they caught him because he would otherwise probably be fish food by now. There was a guy in Scotland who I think jet skied from Stranra to the Isle of Man mm. during lockdown. He got a COVID fine. <laughs> uh, you just get some proper idiots, don't you? Um, and th- th- this one, uh, this one tickled me as well. Florida man commits armed robbery over chicken nuggets. Fantastic. Apparently, what happened was he was waiting outside some sort of fast food joint. And this person was about to go in the door, just a regular member of the public's going to the door. And the, the robber said, buy me some chicken nuggets. And the guy said, I've only got enough money for my food, mate. Sorry. And goes in, or he's about to go in. And so the guy pulls a gun and robs him of all his money, um, suggesting that if he had had the money and bought him some chicken nuggets, he wouldn't have robbed him. <laughs> so I just don't know what goes through some people's minds. Um, but yeah, Florida man continues to be so gloriously himself so that's time flies when your prime minister is uh is ma- taking a shit with his clothes on in front of the whole mass ranks of the world's media but um we've uh i think we've given everything we wanted to discuss a good hearing there was there anything else you wanted to share with the nice people mate um no that's very Just, good. Yeah, I think we've given that a good little and much more pleasant and relaxed podcast. Yeah, it's, last one. it's nice to do something quirky, and we did we did at least get into some you know sort of slightly deeper ethical discussions as well. So I think we've given people a bit of everything this episode. I hope you enjoy it. This was the Adamsons versus the Combat Dolphins. Next time it will be the Adamsons versus something else. The music was District Four by Kevin McLeod. Look forward to speaking to you next time.